Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Morning, everyone. It's good to be together, hey? So good to be together. Um, this is weird, preaching in person. <laughs> I mean, yeah, wow. Melody said, how long is it going to be today, Dad? I said, three hours. No, it'll only be about uh, an hour and a half, don't worry. Um, the new people don't know whether it's a joke or not, I love that. <laughs> nervous, nervous laugh. Um, so we're going to start, this, most of this term we're going to, can you hear me here? Is this, but most of this term we're going to be looking at the book of James in the New Testament. And so today I'm going to give a bit of an overview of the book, but also um, it won't just be academic, we'll be getting into the heart of some things as well. Um, but we, we, we often use our autumn term to, to dig into a particular book of the Bible and spend decent time really getting into it and becoming familiar with it so that as a church you know you go through year on year we've got history in certain books remember well, I remember when God did that through that uh, series remember when God spoke to us about that so we love to uh, use particularly this term to often spend a, you know most of it in one book James is not a long book I'm going to say some things about uh, the book of James who wrote the book of James James, well done. Now listen, that sounded obvious, right? It wasn't a trick question, but um, it's important. there's more than one James in the Bible. So which James was it? Um, there was a James who was part of the 12, part of the 12 d- disciples. Remember when uh, Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John, they were fishing. They dropped their nets and followed him. You remember that? Uh, but it wasn't that James who wrote this letter. That James was most likely, well, we know he was beheaded. He was killed by Herod. We read about that in the book of Acts. Um, and we know that the, the date that James was written, which is probably around about, um, about 10 to 15 years after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended back into heaven, um, that James was no longer around at that point. There's another James, though, who was a brother of Jesus. Now, I don't know what your background is, where you're from, um, particularly if you're from a Catholic background, you might not realize that Jesus actually had siblings. Um, obviously, Jesus was the firstborn, um, but after that, Joseph and Mary were married, and um, we hear about Jesus' uh, brothers and sisters. And one of those was a man called James. Now, we know that initially, Jesus' siblings did not believe in him. They didn't trust that he was the Messiah. It's a little bit like, you know when you go home after you've been away for a while, and maybe you've got a good job, and maybe you're respected in your workplace, and then you go away with your family and your siblings. And all the respect instantly disappears. And, you know, all all of the sense of any kind of kudos you might have established around your life, when you're with your siblings, just is destroyed in a moment. Um, as they remind you of all the embarrassing things you've done and all the childish jokes kick in and all of that kind of thing again. Well, on a natural level, Jesus' siblings did not trust in him as the Messiah. We're told that in John chapter 7. If you've got a Bible with you, then please do um, flick around with me. It gets you familiar with the Bible, where things are, if you're not used to that. Um, Obviously, if you've got a Bible on your phone, then just press the relevant relevant buttons and all that. Um, But we're told in John chapter 7... If we read the first few verses, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast, the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. 
for not even his brothers believed in him. So they were probably being a little bit sarcastic. They were probably sort of, go on, you know, do, do all this amazing stuff. They probably been a little bit like, come on, this is Jesus. They didn't believe in him. And yet later we're told, if we go to 1 Corinthians 15, we hear about one of his brothers who did, at least, who came uh, to, to believe in him. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul is going through the list of people that Jesus appeared to. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, first, uh, we'll look at verse uh, 3. I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, so that would have included that James, okay, the brother of John. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep, that means died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. So there's another James that Jesus appeared to. It's most likely his, the brother of his own brother who believed in him at that point. So James, the brother of Jesus, came to faith in Jesus when he saw the, the Jesus Christ risen from the dead, which is a really interesting historical point, but it's also a really interesting spiritual point that you can become familiar with Jesus on a natural level. You can read about him, find out facts about him. You can even do courses about him. And it's worth doing because he's the most influential person to have ever lived. So if you're not interested in Jesus, regardless of your beliefs, probably you need to reflect upon that because he is the most influential person ever to have lived. Okay? But no matter how much you get to know about him naturally, it's not until you see him with different eyes. It's not until you see Jesus, Jesus Christ risen from the dead and you realize and the, with the eyes of faith, you see that he is Lord and that he's not simply the carpenter from Nazareth, but he's the son of God, Lord of all. In that moment, it's a different kind of seeing and it's a seeing that saves. It's a seeing, it's a, it's a seeing with the eyes of faith that changes everything. And clearly James's life was changed. It becomes a real pillar in the early church. You find out that by Acts chapter 15, that in terms of influential voices in the church, probably Peter's and his in Jerusalem really seems to have a significant influence and sway. So this is the guy who wrote this letter. And I want to say to you, because we always, or pretty much always have people among us who haven't yet seen Jesus in that way. You might be here because you're interested, you've got questions, maybe you know someone who's a believer, maybe you've seen their life and you think, I want to find out more about this. We want to just say to you that the reason why we make so much of Jesus, both when we gather in song and just in day-to-day -day life, is because we have seen that he is Lord. Uh, and it no longer becomes an issue of kind of debate. It just, everything changes. Because once you see him as Lord, you can't pretend you haven't. You can't, you can't go back. There's no going back in a sense because you, kind of, you know because you know because you know. No one can talk you out of it or argue out of it when you've seen him by the power of the Holy Spirit risen and ascended. And we just want to say to anyone here, listen, if, you, if, you, if, if you're here and you're not used to praying, you're not used to talking to God, please just say, God, if you are real, Jesus, if you are Lord, show yourself to me. He's more than able. If he's real, he can do that. If he's real, he doesn't need people to lean on you doesn't need people to cajole you. If he's real, he can do that. We will tell you about him because we love him. But to be saved is a work of God. It's a glorious, supernatural thing. Who, who was the letter to? Most likely the Jewish diaspora. We know that after uh, Stephen, um, one of the deacons in the early church, he was stoned to death. 
there was a bitter persecution broke out, and the Jews, many, many of them, left Jerusalem because of the persecution and moved to different parts, probably in a similar part of the world, around that same sort of coast, up, uh, up the Mediterranean coast there. But probably James is writing to these Jewish believers who have been dispersed because of persecution. When was it written? Like I said, probably 10 to 15 years after Pentecost. What is the genre of this um, bit of literature? Well, it's a letter, like many of, much of the New Testament, Peter writes letters, Paul writes lots of letters. James wrote a letter, but actually the way it's written, it's more like wisdom literature. It's nothing like Paul's letters. It's nothing like Peter's letters. James, by the style and the content, tends to divide people in terms of whether they like it or not. I know people who go, James is my favourite book. They're the kind of people, when you hit them, they go, hit me again. They just, they love that stuff. You know, they just, that's, they, they want, they, they love Sergeant Major. They love it. Others who are motivated more invitationally than confrontationally have to put on like 15 seatbelts before they read James. Just steal themselves. Okay, it's James. All right. Deep breath. Because of the manner, because of the style, because of the things that, he says, but you'll notice that he jumps from subject to subject. It's not like, it's not linear. He's talking about this, now he's talking about that, very reminiscent of the book of Proverbs. You'll notice that, won't you? You're reading Proverbs, suddenly he's talking about being a faithful friend. Before you know it, it's adultery. Ah, how did that happen? It's just bang, bang, bang. That's Proverbs. Little sound bites, little things. James is very, very much like that. His particular um, big themes are trials and testing, rich and poor. Faith and deeds, wisdom itself, speech, ethics, morals, holiness, righteousness, prayer, suffering. He is highly confrontational. Like I said, he calls earthly wisdom demonic. He calls worldly Christians adulteresses. And he calls all of us a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. <laughs> He's like, bang. <laughs> now... For those, of us who, for those of us who are more inclined to talk like that and receive that kind of thing, it, it kind of tells us that there is still a place for us in the kingdom. Which is a <laughs> we need to remember you know, to, be, to be gentle. For those of you that you just you don't like this stuff, <laughs> this isn't the way you operate. People have to work out what on earth you're trying to say because you beat around so many bushes you lose where you are. <laughs> it's just the way you're just that kind of person. You know? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. God's made us all differently. But it is what this letter itself does teach us is that there is a place for straight talk. There is a place for it. Not always, but there is a place for it. And God can use it to really get our attention. And he does so very much through the book of James. Now, here's, here's something that, uh, one more thing before we get into I'm going to just preach on one couple of verses in a second. But um, in terms of the content itself, it's not exalted doctrine. It's not like, wow, it doesn't take you to the heights. Let me just, <laughs> let me, I'm going to read to you the first couple of verses of Ephesians, and then the first couple of verses of Hebrews, and then the first couple of verses of James. <laughs> and just listen to the difference. So, Ephesians. Paul does the normal greeting. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus, are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's being nice already. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I mean, whoa, we're up. Yeah, if you're paragliding, whoa, you are there. Wow. Okay, Hebrews. 
This is so great. This is so great. Hebrews, right. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Whoa, we're flying. Okay, James. <laughs> Are you ready? Good old James. You know where you stand with James. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, Greetings. <laughs> Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfast... Tell me about Jesus, James. No, no, no. We'll get onto that later. And he barely does. He barely does. You find a couple of mentions of Jesus. It's not exalted doctrine. I mean, it's, you know, some doctrine is complicated. Peter says... That Paul's letters are hard to understand. You ever been stuck on Paul? You're in good company. All the other apostles are going, what's he talking about? It's complex doctrine. It is, it is complicated doctrine. You find that in 2 Peter chapter 3. He says you can twist it. Unstable people twist it. because it's, What's he saying? It's, it's complex, layers upon layers. Um, James is not. It's plain doctrine with a focus on application. Do what you know. In a nutshell, it's a letter, letter of James. Do you know it? Do it. Greetings. <laughs> That's it. So we're getting a feel, we're getting a sense of what we're going to be going for this term. How is this going to help us this term? We're going to, it's meant to be, a, it should have a gentle term after COVID. Well, don't worry. It's going to, be, it's going to help us. Don't worry about that. Um, I want us to look at just, uh, I want to look at the, the first couple of verses and the last couple of verses of the whole letter. Quickly, then we're going to just respond, okay? So, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet with trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. We have a good laugh with James. He grates against our culture somewhat. One thing about the Bible is this is 100% divinely inspired, 100% human authored. It's a good doctrine of scripture. So when you read the Bible, different personalities come through. God uses people. He doesn't, doesn't just overtake them and they write like automatons. He uses who they are. But it's, they, they are guided by the Holy Spirit, which is why we believe in Scripture to be fully divine. But we recognize each letter is different. And Father, we just want to say thank you for this letter. Thank you for inspiring James to write. Thank you for the brilliant compliment that it brings to the other letters. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't let us get away with things that we might otherwise get away with. Thank you for the complete and closed canon of Scripture. Thank you, Lord, that Lord, there's a sufficiency in Scripture. There's, we, you're in it is all that we need to understand how you want us to live. And we thank you for this letter, and it speaks into our life powerfully today. And we pray for the work of the Spirit through the preached word in Jesus' name. Amen. Count it all joy, my brothers, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. The word trial and test and temptation is the same word in the Greek. Okay, It's the same root word. It's the same sort of idea. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. He says trials of various kinds, and then he says the testing of your faith. Why, why, are, they, why are they the same thing? Trials of various kinds. You think, well, okay, there's all kinds of stuff can come our way. But then he's saying, this tests your faith. Well, why? Here's why. When you're a true believer, 
Here's what happens. Whether you're three years old or 93 years old when you come to know Jesus, you deconstruct your life and you lay a new foundation and then you build on, on G- Jesus and you rebuild. Okay? You never just add Jesus into your current way of life. He does not come as an accessory. <laughs> he comes as Lord, okay? which means he's the foundation. And, so, and also that this word cornerstone is used in the Bible. The, the amazing thing about the cornerstone is it sets the trajectory for the whole of the building. And so our lives are often compared to buildings. And so when you come to know the Lord, you lay him as foundation. He is the cornerstone, which means that every, he begins to, there's nothing that happens in our life that does not have reference to him. Everything that goes on day to day, when you allow your mind to be renewed in scripture and by the Holy Spirit, you can't help but relate everything that goes on to the Lord because he's the center, which means that various trials, whether it's an illness that you personally go through, a physical challenge that you go through, you know Jesus can heal. And so it tests your faith. If you are not instantly and miraculously healed, there's a test of the faith. It's just a various, it's a trial of life. Everyone else is going through it, but because you know the Lord and you know what he can do and you know his heart to heal, it becomes a test to your faith if you're not Healed by because you say, well, and you have to work it through, Lord, what are you doing here? And you have to begin to work out what is going on. It could be finances. You just think there's just not enough. There's not enough to go around. Well, that's common for a lot of people. But for us, we know we have a Lord who has promised to provide all that we need. So you, in instant, as a believer, you're, you're connected. It tests your faith. It puts your faith under the microscope. It makes you ask yourself, well, Lord, what are you doing here? Is it, is it, is, is, are you trying to get my attention in some way? Is it just a season of hardship that I've got to get through? You know, or is it, is it because, Lord, you're, you're wanting to wake me up to the fact that actually I'm, I'm being selfish and greedy with my finances and you're, you're just as a loving father wanting to get my attention so that we can learn to do finances together? See, it's not a unique trial, not a unique trial, but it tests your faith. It makes you your, your questions are asked of your faith in Jesus. Over this last 18 months, questions have been asked of our faith in Jesus. Am I right? Questions have been asked of many people's faith in Jesus. If you're on the internet much, you'll discover that actually lots of people are getting into this thing called deconstruction, where the the, the circumstances that forced us to do church differently. Many people are more, even more deeply reflect, reflecting the normal world. What is church? And go and pull it apart. And, and then what is faith? What is the gospel? And ending up with nothing. Why? Because they've taken something that perfectly holds together. It's not irrational. It perfectly holds together. Absolutely. But it is something that is received by faith. And then from a place of either disappointment or discouragement or doubt or unbelief, beginning to humanly analyze it and take it apart. And they, to their mind is then found wanting, not because there's anything wrong with the content, but it's the position of the heart that has led to it. Something's got in through the trial. Something's come in and got under the skin. Something's gone deep. We have to be honest. I, I, I believe these next few months, probably this next year, we will all be walking out of what we've just been through in some way. Whether it's lost loved ones, whether it's a lost job, whether it's what you made of what your life looked like during that time and how does that relate to God's plan, God's will, the church, we will all be in different ways. Ask your question. It's a test of the faith. It does. But what does James say? Count it all joy when you experience these things. Why? James is not a masochist. James is not encouraging masochism. He's not encouraging people to just enjoy hardship for the sake of it. That's crazy. 
He says, here's why. He says, the testing of your faith produces what? Steadfastness. Steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect. That you may be perfect. That word perfect, it means kind of the idea behind it is, is maturity. It's not like perfection. It's, it's maturity. That you might be mature and complete. Lacking in that's a promise right there. You see, because these trials and tests, they're like hard winds that blow against us. If we're like a tree, they're like hard winds that blow against it. And it, it forces you to put your roots down deeper into the Lord. And as a result, at the end of the storm, guess what? You're stronger. You're steadfast. You're not going anywhere. That's, that's, what, that's how the Lord would want to use these trials and these tests. If we don't count it as joy, if we, if we, in other words, if we don't see the bigger picture, if we lose perspective, if we become a victim to the emotions that we're feeling in that moment, which all of us are prone to, all of us are prone to, all of us at different points over the last year and a half particularly would have had significant moments where we've reflected on things in a big way and asked big questions. It's, it's not wrong to do that but do it with God. <laughs> Let him lead you through that. Otherwise it can get dark and it can go somewhere we don't want it to go. So just as we enter into this term, I mean, just I can't describe the joy of being together this morning. As we enter into this term and we enter into this book, let's, we're not, we haven't got to be unreal. We haven't got to suddenly imagine that we're all going to just pop out of COVID fine and dandy. Yeah, that, that doesn't have to be the case. There'll be different questions we've got, different things. We work through it together with one another, with the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Final verse of James just says this, just the final verse. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. James is very honest and real about wandering from the truth. this church we do believe the bible we believe the reality that god exists father son holy spirit we also believe in the reality of an enemy of the devil who's called various things in the bible one of them a deceiver he loves to sell you a, 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 some fake news <laughs> he loves to say he really does and it's it can sound really convincing and it's normally built on half truths but it can take you how did i get here I'm not, I don't want to really be very sort of negative this morning. It's the last thing I want to be. But we, I think we've got to be honest. If we're not honest about the things that are going on in our minds, in our hearts, where there's areas of testing or temptation or whatever, then ignoring it is not the key to coming through it well. The Bible says that God loves truth in the most part. To be honest with God and with a few trusted others is a very safe place and will help you get through but if you've got questions, issues about the church, about your faith in Christ, about the gospel, let's get them out in the light. Let's see if God and his truth and his power is strong enough to bring us through. Okay, it's not a flimsy thing. We haven't got to worry. If you worry that it will fold, if you bring it into the light, you shouldn't be believing it in the first place. Okay, it's God's gospel, eternal. It can stand up to any light we put on it if we walk through it with the Lord. So I want to just say that today. Some of us will be helping others of us who are tempted to wander from the truth.
over this season, whether in this church or other churches. There'll be a lot of it going on. It's an enormous privilege to be able to come alongside someone, prayerfully, humbly, gently, and just help them see the light of the gospel, help them see the beauty of Christ. Not scolding, not rebuking, just coming alongside, helping, strengthening, encouraging. It's a privilege. James says, you do that, wow, <laughs> that's an amazing thing. Let's keep our eyes out for each other. Let's be committed to the gospel communities, running partners. These aren't things we do, so I say, be there. No, it's, it's scaffolding to help us build these safe spiritual stuff. That's what it is. It's just scaffolding to help us get things in place so we can serve and love each other well. I want to finish um, today's message with a, a prophetic word I feel like the Lord has, has given me. Um, <clears throat> I've just found myself in a few damp places over the last week or so. Um, or I've noticed it, I don't know, but I've thought, oh, I'm in a bed, it feels a bit damp. I've done a, bit, a fair bit of travelling, or even in the front room, I feel it feels damp in here. And I feel the Lord's got my attention through it. And I've done a bit of research on dampness as a result. I did, I felt the Holy Spirit say, this is, there's, there's something I want you to, you to see here. And basically what happens with damp is there's three things I want to say. Number one, two causes of damp, not enough ventilation, not enough air getting in. And number two, if you've got like something hot like steam or whatever and it lands on cold walls, okay, then, you, then, then it can be damp. And to say just quickly on those two things, I just, as I was just before, God, Lord, what, you, what, what are you saying to me? I genuinely felt, you know, the Lord will sometimes use natural phenomena to just speak a spiritual lesson. You find that scripturally, prophetically, you know, so I'm not laying down new doctrine. I'm just giving a little encouraging Prophetic word that I felt the Lord show me. Some of us, you need to open up the doors. I said, Lord, what, did, what, what prophetically, what do you mean by air? I felt God say straight away, truth. I think some of you just need to open up the doors and get the truth in. You're, you're going round and round in circles in terms of just like what you're feeling or it's like you're listening to yourself way more. You should be talking to yourself more than listening to yourself. You know, because you just got, open up the doors, get, open up the windows, let truth come in. Just find, you know, be, get whether it's, you know, good sermons on podcasts or just reading, just audio Bible, but just let the truth come in. I felt the Lord says it's gonna, it, will, it, will, it will dispel that dampness. And the others in terms of the, the hot stuff landing on the cold walls, there's a lot of hot stuff about. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of social media, political, so much craziness has happened this last 18 months. Am I right? I mean, if you're, if you're, on, if you're not on the internet, well done. If you're on the internet, it's nuts. There's so much heat and passion and stuff around. Some of it causes that are worth some, but just so much emotion and passion. And, uh, and, 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 but it, it can make you just, you don't know where to go. You don't know where to look. You can just go, you can just go cold. You just say, I don't know what to do with this. And, and then it just lands on you, you become damp. <laughs> you have a cold wall and a lot of steam landing on you. And I just felt, Lord, what was that? I just felt like the, just the, the fire of the Holy Spirit. He wants to warm up our walls. <laughs> just to allow, Lord, freshly, just help me. And I'm not expecting no, you know, thank God for breakthrough moments. But I'm really, this isn't a pressure on anyone. Come on, sort yourself out. No, it's like this is the heart of God. God wants to warm up our hearts and he wants to, the, the fresh breath and wind of his truth to breathe into our lives because his truth sets us free it's just an encouragement of the heart of God and just to assure you just look in the right direction okay you're not putting you under and look on the right direction and then the third thing with damp is that it can lead to rot 
damp, if not dealt with, can lead to, to rot. And um, just feel that for some of us, so yeah, there are some deeper, it's gone a bit deep. It's gone deeper than just opening up the window. You, you, you need someone to help you pull a few floorboards up. Um, it's, it's no, no it, 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 this is, you know, well within the reach of God to be able to sort out. But it just needs a little bit more. You may need a bit of help from the pastoral team. Or just you just you need to bring something out where you don't. There's something in, something happened, or some things. That it's gone. It's gone deep. I feel there's a bit of rot that's set in. You know, the Lord wants to just help you um, work through that uh, and make you fresh again. Amen. So I hope you get the heart of God in that and um, what I'm saying there, and that you're excited to work through uh, the Book of James over this term. Um, we're going to have a good time in it. If, you, if you're away, away certain weeks, we'll be on podcasts. You can follow it and keep up with it, and we can really immerse ourselves. It's amazing wisdom literature together.